Reunited and it feels so good. I look, man. I think I, I feel good. Uh, physically mediocre, but overall good. Happy to be back. Thrilled, in fact. I, it's been way too long since I've been able to just talk extemporaneously about stuff. I did my first radio show in what felt like forever last night, uh, and this is uh, this is a delight. Uh, we're on a new day. The challenge half ended, and I got to tell you, we had a tremendous little warm-up conversation where I feel like we really talked about important things relating to Fuckboy Island from HBO Max. Um, so so much so that I may include it at F-boy the end. Fuckboy Island. It's at the, uh, my mistake, Fuckboy Island, of course. I, I, I may include it at the end uh, just, just for posterity because I really <laughs> feel like it was imp- an important discussion. <laughs> I do feel like it's something that the producers of the show need to hear. We'll send it right to them. <laughs> uh, you got the line to them now. We'll just send them the audio. <laughs> so... Um, uh, you know, can we say I'm going to just say it. And you can edit it out if we can't say it like you, you had COVID, right? We can say that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can say that. The whole family had COVID. I said it. I said it on the radio last night. Uh, <laughs> it's <clears throat> it's no fun, man. Um, and actually, I you know, I think because I am vaccinated and boosted, I didn't get super sick. My wife got what I would describe as, you know, a pretty intense flu. Um, but the worst of it wasn't more than a few days. And. The, the scary part is, you know, I have two kids under vaccinatable age. Uh, one of them can't even talk to us. She's just eight months old. And she at one point had a fever of like 103 and was clearly miserable and snot everywhere. And it's just, as a, as a parent, very upsetting and concerning. Uh, but everyone is fine now. So no harm, no foul. So can I ask you, because I so I have and I'm going to knock on wood here. uh, I have to this point managed to avoid covid or at least avoid symptoms of covid. Um, And I'd like to keep it that way. uh, And I have designed my life in a way that I feel like best enables me to keep it that way. Um, But I am now I've been confronted with. A lot of choices, you yep. know what I mean, like professional opportunities, yep. Yep. personal things. You know, I've canceled some trips. Like, should I just be going? I'm vaxxed and boosted, and I'm out there living. And if I get this thing, it's going to be like what you had, and not be worried about it. Or in your mind, am I doing the right thing by still really like changing up the lifestyle to uh, to avoid catching? Well, I mean, it's just so hard for me to make that judgment for anyone else just because. Okay, fair enough. Um, if I did edit it, edit out the extended COVID conversation, welcome back, everybody. 
Yeah. Uh, time to talk about some pop culture that has, well, not nothing to do. We are going to talk some flu, but that's for a different reason. Uh, okay. Do you want to? So we we we're going to go kind of free flowing this week because it's obviously been a long time since we assigned any homework. Yeah. Uh, and we'll try to touch on as many of the things that we did assign as uh, as we can. Yeah. Can um, we just slam so, through the ones that we don't have a lot to say about first? Okay. And then we'll get to the flu. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, so uh, let's start then. Um, let's start with being the Ricardos then. Yeah, I did. Do you understand why that movie got made? I mean, I would just say because Aaron Sorkin was interested in it. Right. If it, if Aaron Sorkin wasn't attached, do you think that would have been made? Uh, it depends. You know what I mean? Like if you're telling me that, uh, it's a different director and I still have Nicole Kidman and Harvey, Javier Bardem, then there's a decent chance. Yeah. But I guess I don't understand. But I, get what what you, the point I also of get it was. what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> I guess that's the end. That's, that's the end of my comments. <laughs> if you're wondering like which sort, what kind of, what level Sorkin am I getting here? Mm-hmm. I definitely say it's closer to uh, uh, Studio Fifty Seven or the or uh, uh, was it the Newsroom? The Newsroom, right? Was the Jeff Daniels one? I never watched um, either of those things, but go on. Then it is like uh, West Wing or uh, Social Network. <laughs> it's yeah. not. This is not high grade Sorkin. It's not Sports Night. You know what I mean? No, um, I mean, that is the ref. You know, if I'm thinking of great Sorkin, I think of Sports Night. And then, yeah, well, I that's think because you didn't watch Sports You're right. Um, uh, the other thing you just said, I also like. Uh, but this is just not interesting or good or uh, informative or. And, and like Javier Bardem and Nicole Kidman are both fine because they're good actors, but they're also not very well cast in these. I, roles. I was going to say, I, I was, I was going to say it was a hot take, but I guess it's not since you also agree with me. I th- I think Nicole Kidman in particular is wildly miscast. Yeah. And like, she does a pretty good Lucy for someone who Kinda. shouldn't be playing Lucy. There's, but there's no point in that movie where I didn't, wasn't consciously aware that I'm watching Nicole Kidman. Right. And the way she like did, one sort of toned down Lucy voice and then put on the like intense Lucy voice for the shooting scenes is like, I I'm it's probably accurate, but it just didn't play. Yeah. She also needed to make a decision of whether she was going to play a Lucy with an accent or not. Right. Uh, (laughs) It was just, it just, and, and Javier Bardem has the wrong accent. Right. So like, I just, Javier Bardem just sounded like he was talking like Javier Bardem. Right. And and boy, Desi Arnaz sounded very specific. Uh, and I loved that show as a kid. You know, Nick at Night, man, that was a staple. And it, this movie was just like a bummer. Not necessarily because the movie itself was sad. It was just a very boring, pointless feeling thing about something I really liked. And I don't know why, of all the stories, you would choose to focus on this weird communist kerfuffle it makes no sense to me at all yeah uh that's before you get into the historical you know uh dramatic license 
yeah. <laughs> taken to make this movie. Right. Uh, all those things did not happen in the in the same week. Right. Uh, as, and that's like the movie. whole that would be the only reason to tell that story is like, okay. hey, look at this crazy ass week. Otherwise, yeah. it's just jamming a bunch. It's a, it was a weird framing, basically a weird, unnecessary framing. We're like, I understand you can't tell the whole story in a biopic, but this is just a very weird way to do it. Um, so, yeah, thumbs down, um, which is not a thing I expected to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just. Eh. Yeah. Not, not into it. I'm with you on that. Uh, OK, let's uh, you, let's talk about Matrix. Yeah, I have almost nothing to say about this. It was I thought it was fine um, and reasonably entertaining uh, and not unlike the second and third matrixes and probably even the first to some degree, not nearly as clever as it felt itself to be, but that's okay. It's an action movie. I'm a little surprised that you, uh, I I don't disagree with anything that you just said. I'm just a little surprised that that was where, where you came from it, given our sort of history of talking movies on the show. Why? Um, Because I do think that it is, successful in in you know your headline action picture aspects agreed you know, like agreed. it is the effects are fantastic some of those fight scenes are really cool uh, top like top of the line yeah and uh you know so i don't know i, I guess maybe i thought that might mean more for you uh <laughs> maybe it would for me it might have i might have sounded like less Excited is the wrong word because I think I knew this wasn't going to be revelatory, but like I liked it. I I just, you know, I it's been three weeks or whatever since I watched it. And and there was nothing particularly special other than uh, what's her face being just a great badass, like the new central figure lady whose name I ought to know uh, and I will look up right now. I love her. Jessica yeah, Henwick I, is her name. Bugs. I, I went on a little journey with this movie because I I started in a place of like, whoa, this is easily the best thing since the original. Um, oh, I agree with that. I think that's I I finished there. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh have, when's the last time you watched two and three? They're not good. <laughs> no, they're not good. But I and, was like, I, all right, let me put it this way. Then I I started in a place of like, whoa, this is really good. Like this ah. this could be like. This could be like the first one. And then the movie quickly disappears up its own ass and then remains there. Like it is so meta, so yeah. self-conscious right? Um, that it's really it's really hard to like snuggle up to. Like it is absolutely aware of the uh, not just the movie's backstory and history and all that stuff, but it's like place in the culture right it's, it's a little place right. in a franchise like it's so right. self-referencing with the, the sequels and like well the yeah the convention of using a video game to to like constantly reference the matrix's place in the culture you know what i mean like the way they did that was very heavy-handed <laughs> yeah and all the red pill stuff yeah all, you know what i mean like yep. all that it's all in there uh, and I, I, I just don't think much of it works. And, uh, you know, it's a long movie as you know, you, I was prepared for that. Cause that's right. I don't know that. I, can I just say, I'm not sure. Like 
saying none of it works feels like I don't know how to put this because it it's not like it works great, but I just don't know that like it doesn't dis work. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't work. It's not like impressive, and that's what I mean. It's not as clever as as it seems to think it is, but like I didn't think it was it doesn't fail. It just isn't clever. It's not good. It's well, not good. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I guess the difference is I thought it was fine, just not as clever as it as it intends or feels Maybe. itself to be. And I, as I, to be clear, to, when I say not good, I'm talking about that stuff. You right. Know, so no, I'm I know. Not the movie's not good because some some of the action sequences are really great. Right. Yeah, I <laughs> think that's the effect shots are really great. Like, yeah, I, I, guess, some value I think we're on the it. same page. Effectively, yeah. like it, it's perfectly watchable. But uh, but yeah, I did not I did not have a great time. I'll put it that way. Uh, and this I should have had a great time. The ingredients were there to have a great time. I think they could have given you a great time with you know thirty minutes less self referencing uh, up your own assery. Uh, but yeah. all in all, I had fun. You know what? I also thought was a, just an okay time. Uh, Boba Fett. Yeah, agreed. But I I think part of this is the Mandalorian really set the bar very high. And um, it may just be that Boba Fett needs some time to to get to a point. I didn't because I kind of I like where we're I like what it's doing in terms of like the broader strokes of what the story is. You know, um, Bounty Hunter settles down, essentially. Um, but. Again, like the Mandalorian is two seasons of high stakes and baby Yoda. And I, I feel like that's the bar you're measured against and, and you're falling a little short. But but I, I'm prepared to continue and give it some time. Yeah. Who knew Tatooine had so many stories, man? Yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like it allows you to bring in some beloved, you know, old characters, but also tell a totally sort of fresh story i i don't i don't dislike it it's just again the bar is high yeah the bar is high and i don't know it seems to me like the dual timeline thing um hasn't totally come off so far you know what i mean like that uh the timelines are not quite equally interesting and i'm not super like i don't know i should be more invested in how they wind up coming together i suppose um, uh, I actually do think they're – well, I think the past is interesting anyway. And right. The, 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 future, the future has a chance to get interesting, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, let's hope it does. Yeah. Uh, swan song. This is the most interesting of our uh, less interesting choices to me because I was deeply moved and uh, – just affected by this film. I thought Mahershala Ali, like that guy was the loud bad guy in a Marvel show. And this is just a quiet, thoughtful. And I Wait, thought, which Marvel show? Uh, was it Daredevil? I want to say Iron okay. Fist. I don't Thanks. know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm spacing on the name of his character for some reason. I mean, I know why because my okay. my brain is mush. But uh, yeah, he was he was in one of those Netflix Marvel shows. 
And just in general, like the diversity of characters he has played is remarkable. And he was so good in this, I thought. And, uh, you know, I thought uh, Glenn Close as well, like a really quiet but intense performance. This is a quiet but intense movie. And I don't know if it's just because I have like a young son <laughs> that I talk to on a daily basis. Um, now, he's much younger than the kid that Mahershala has. But nevertheless, the concept of want, like, I just had a, a deep empathy for his situation. Mm. Uh, yeah, I do think I do. I do think that has a little bit to do with it. I actually had a hard time connecting with this movie emotionally. It wasn't it, it took me a second viewing. Mm-hmm. Um to appreciate it but uh, you did in the second viewing i did in the second viewing yeah uh but i i found it a little bit cold and and huh. kind of kept me uh kept me at, at arm's length for a uh for a while if that makes sense uh yeah that's interesting so stylistically I, it is very cold you know what i mean right it is. like yes. i think by design you know uh-huh. but um yeah, like I don't know that sort of that sort of like iciness about it, right? Like right. so many of the emotions are sort of happening under the surface of, of yes. These well, and I think mm-hmm. that that in some ways made it hit harder because I, I for me because I think what like you said I think that's deliberate and I think part of what that choice gets at is that that's the decision, right? Like he has to make a cold and calculating decision and if he is capable of doing that it's an easy decision and slight spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the film the question is essentially given the chance if you are the parent of a young kid with a terminal illness and you have the chance you have the illness not the kid right you have the illness. Yes, you are someone with a terminal illness. You're going to die shortly. Within parent with a terminal illness. Yeah, within weeks. Your your young child. Um, you have a young child. Would you, given the chance, take a perfect clone of yourself that has all of your memories and feelings and DNA, and replace yourself? And the only catch is you have to then go off by yourself and die. And again, if you can detach your selfish emotions from that decision, it's a very easy decision, right? Of course you want your kid to have you. It's just you're not going to get to experience except, it. Right, but also is it really you? Right? Yeah, like, except part of it. don't you think they did a really good job of portraying that like, yeah, it's really you. Like I, I felt like that was settled halfway through the movie. Like, He's sort of like it's almost like if you were having this the conversation that we were just having a second ago as like, you know, the sort of hypothetical conversation. And someone said, OK, for the purposes of this conversation, it's really you. You know what I mean? Like, I feel right. like sort of I, I, I'm not implying the movie yada, 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 it, but I, I sort of feel like that's what the movie is is doing. You know, yeah. you know, yes, because the but, character does question it a couple of times. I thought does. it was interesting that essentially like. His inability to articulate the you know Mahershala's character's inability to really articulate his feelings in the moment is also what literally killed him right yeah uh, because yeah. he didn't want to 
uh, he could have gotten that disease checked, but he kind of didn't want to deal with it. Just didn't want to make a thing of it, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. No, um, I and again, that's another layer of it, because that's all part of your personal emotions, right? Of regret and and like, God, I messed this up. But like also, again, I, I if you can be sort of calculating, I think you obviously want to give your family the opportunity to have you in their life. And if they truly never, ever know and and there are you know, ways that he is convinced that they won't know. Um, I don't know. I thought it was, again, deeply moving and fascinating to watch and so many subtle uh, performance things. Yeah, we got this far without I, without mentioning Aquafina. I thought it was really great. Oh, what cool. a treat to yeah. see Aquafina in a almost entirely very serious supporting role where she's not, like, played for goofy laughs, and she was great, just great. <laughs> She's probably the darkest character in the thing. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, she does make a couple jokes, right? She is funny. Like, she she has almost humor. Yeah. yeah, she can't not be funny, but but she's so good in the emotional parts of it. I I was very impressed, and and I thought, what a great casting choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She really, man. She's she wanted to do drama full time. She could. Yep. Um, so uh, yeah, this it's definitely worth a watch and and worth thinking about. Uh, you know. Uh, whether you have kids or not, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. Station Eleven. Let's talk flu. <laughs> you're ready to do right. You're ready to get into some flu. I will um, say this: the first like three episodes or so, maybe even five, were pretty traumatic for me. I found them deeply upsetting, given oh, our really? current circumstances. I just so- I was watching them late at night after you know uh, a reasonably significant amount of marijuana. And it just was it was like mildly traumatic. Gotcha. See, because I was going to say, like, I feel like the fact that this this series, I should say, it's a limited series, right? Like, they're not making any more. It's done. I, I think it's done. Um, That it, like a lot of people, I think, are pretty scared off by the idea that it it's set in a pandemic. Oh, but this is what I'm saying. The first few episodes were mildly traumatic, but in the long run. I feel like this was more uplifting than upsetting. Yeah, and honestly, I think I think it's it's really barely concerned with the with the pandemic itself. You know what I mean, right? It like is it, barely concerned with the disease. However, the traumatic results of the disease it is very concerned with. Yeah, and that yeah, is what was mildly two, traumatic for me. Two timelines, you know, essentially, like one is basically right as it's happening. Right, you know you start sort of pre-realization and kind of in that and then uh, roughly 20 years after yes um so uh you know obviously the 20 years after is hyper concerned with uh with the effects and it's really i mean to me it's a lot of story about art and stories and like the human spirit yeah and what survives you know yes Um, yeah and i sorry go ahead I guess I would say, although, like, I would like the world to do better than it does in Station Eleven, it is a hopeful view of what survives, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly, I think you have to say it's it, it, it is ultimately hopeful. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, my understanding is that um, I've read the book. My understanding is that the uh, darker. The, the, the book is darker. Yeah, of course it is. The book is always darker. Spoiler alert: the book is always darker. Like, um, 
most of the Jeevan Kirsten stuff is not in the book. Yeah. If that makes sense. And that's a hugely central part of this story. <laughs> well, yes. And also just a part of the story that, like, I mean, look, man, here's what I'll say. This real life pandemic has in many ways exposed tragically how, uh, just how many people are willing to say fuck it when it comes to the well-being of others. And this show, you know, I don't know that it <laughs> says anything about humanity at large, but it definitely highlights stories of people who do care about others in the face of the worst possible circumstances. Yeah, and I think and that it, is nice. It was a nice urge, thing. But the urge to say fuck it is also still in there, which I think it's represented. It's represented. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like when you look at, at the, the choices Clark makes in the airport. Uh huh. Right. Like Clark is a character who I think is presented to you as flawed, but mostly good. Well, well intentioned, a good person, right? <laughs> like cares about protecting people and. You know, he makes some choices that are detrimental to other people for the sake of his people, if that makes if that makes sense. Well, so, but in some um, ways, in some ways, those were hard choices that had to be made for the sake of humanity at large. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that, so they're complicated choices, but they're not selfish. Um, there are not a lot of purely selfish people in this show in the end. And and I don't know how accurate a representation of humanity at large that is, but maybe it's an accurate representation of what survives in a in a deeply traumatic worldwide experience. I don't know. I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, forgetting that. And the reason why I think you should watch this, even if you are a little bit like not ready to hear a pandemic story right now, um, is I just think it, from from the craft standpoint. This is just such an incredibly well made show, well yes. uh, directed, extremely yeah. well acted. Agreed. Completely gets what it wants to say about the, the stories and the people, and uh, some real uh, um, emotional moments. I mean, the. Uh, how do I say this <laughs> for, for someone who hasn't seen it? Um, but there, <laughs> the, the emotional climax of the final episode ah, okay. uh, is, is as moving uh, as anything I've seen on television in a long time. I agree. I completely agree with that. It has some delightful old favorites from an acting perspective. Lori Petty, uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, Mackenzie Davis is not exactly an old favorite, but uh, we obviously know. You don't favor for me because I love Halt and Catch Fire. Ah, okay. We also have. Yeah, we people... talked about that on the pod at some point, right? Yes, definitely. Okay. We also have people I've never seen before. Or have only seen briefly, uh, like Himesh Patel, who who was in, uh, you know, that movie Yesterday and Tenet. But he, I thought he was spectacular 
in this. This is going to be a star. Yes. Can I, before, before you move forward, there's, there's one person who I think that, uh, uh, I, I just think really deserves. Is it <laughs> deserves Daniel mention. Zavato who played the prophet? It, it is not, although he was really good. Okay. Uh, it is Daniel Deadweiler. Oh, um, she was spectacular as Miranda. As Miranda, and, and, who's and talking and, the story. Yes, um, but you know she was in the harder they fall. Uh, uh-huh. And I think we're just going to be seeing a lot of her. And I just thought she was. Uh, she just lit up the screen. Uh, I also thought Philippine Velge, whose name I am probably mispronouncing, but who played Alex, was really good. Like, just yeah. a lot of really, really good, and again, not particularly overdramatic, but just good, subtle performance throughout this show. It was just a really good show. Yeah, it's great acting, too, where it, 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 it's none of it is like, even though these are all, like, it's a story that's a lot about a theater troupe, and you yes. have all these sort of dramatic folks. There's nobody that's doing um, capital A look at B acting almost. You know what I mean? Like it's all, a lot of it is really subtle and grounded in the work and, and feels really true. And, yes. Um, they, they all seem to have like, again, what survived seems to have been the sincerity, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like Jonah from V pops up in a completely non-comedic role and is excellent. Yeah. yeah. And gosh, I mean? like Lori like, Petty, what an interesting career. Yeah, really. Really. It's really and taking on a really interesting second life for her career, I feel like. So Yeah. Um from point break to station eleven, man. Pretty, pretty nuts. <laughs> that is that is a right. Yeah. With Tank Girl and, and friggin' uh League of Their Oranges, Own. the new black and League of Their Own all thrown in in between. Um all right. Um I, the highest recommendation for uh, uh, Station Eleven. It's yes. a, I just think it's a fantastic piece of art. It's quite a journey. I did. I will say, because uh, the show sort of jumps around a lot timeline li- uh, timeline wise, and uh, it's not a show that's gonna hold your hand. Uh, it's a little. It's got a little of that wire DNA where, like, I could see someone not paying close enough attention, and j- after three episodes, being like, "I don't know what the hell's going on. I can't watch this." Uh, you yeah. have to pay attention. So I, you know, unfortunately, one of the side effects of, uh, uh, you know, kind of the break that we took, I generally try not to take in other takes about the things that we're going to talk about before before yeah. we do yeah, the yeah. pod. Uh, but that wasn't possible for this. I've consumed a lot about uh station 11 sure and um like one of the things that i that uh i've heard other people say and i I probably will go on this journey at this at at some point is that this show as a rewatch like you see some you know incredible uh details and 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 things that wind up paying off in major ways and in later on that you you can't possibly notice the first time like um the example given is in like episode two, there's a statue of the woman who uh, is running the clinic. Um, and there's like a, like a, a whole tribute to her that they, they kind of go into. And then later on you see what that is and you find out that Chivon actually delivered Alex. And, and like, I don't right. think that's a huge spoiler <laughs> to say that you start to see how these people are all connected. And I, I love 
the the little ways that these people saved each other um knowingly and unknowingly yeah uh, through the story one of the interesting things about this show is that with the exception of a couple of you know the flashbacks it barely leaves you know a 50 mile radius of lake michigan right so it's of course in a in a pandemic post-pandemic scenario where most of the population is wiped out and people are moving around this small area. They're going to be interact like, you know, interconnections. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, uh, that to me makes total sense, right? They, oh yeah. It wouldn't get very far, right? Like, no, um, you're, yeah, you're going to be, automobiles aren't really a thing in this world anymore. Right. So not in a serious way. No. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it all, it all makes sense. I, I also want to mention one more random performance that I don't think we would have gotten to. Um, Matilda Lawler, who plays the young Kirsten, yeah, I yeah. thought was yeah. tremendous. That is a <laughs> tremendous job to find. I don't know. She looked like eight or nine. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think she's probably thirteen or something. But yeah, she was. Uh, she hit. She hit hard, man. And yeah. that's a, that that role is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really, really great job. Um, yeah, I, uh, I recommend this one highly, highly. Yeah. Um, yeah. all right. I, can we, I want to jump back cause I don't like, I don't have a ton to say about euphoria. So let's, you want to, you want to, uh, hit that one real quick. Sure. Um, uh, I would just say it's more of the same. I, I quite enjoy it. It's uh, spectacularly entertaining in episode. Yeah, it's one, more of the same, which is exactly what I want. Right. And episode one hits uh, with a vengeance and my heart was beating like 120 BPM at the end of it. Um, That said, and I was really I was kind of excited to get a backstory for that drug dealer character, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Fez is an interesting character. Um, I also would say this. I saw an interesting tweet about this being sort of. Uh, sex, drugs, and violence porn um, starring teenagers. And although I'm guessing most of the stars are actually in their 20s, it did make me stop and think just a little bit about, uh, you know... Is is what this show's doing okay? I personally... Look, I I understand why someone might say that, particularly it wasn't even said in like a how how dare they way. It was actually just someone saying, you know, like this euphoria is good, but like it's also all of these things and Yellow Jackets is better. That was basically the tweet. Mm. Um, Yeah, see, but to me, like, (laughs) like to say it's porn. Right, implies uh, it's 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 gratuitous, and its function is to hit your pleasure centers. Right, and it's not. And I don't think that is at all how. uh, I mean, there certainly is gratuitous sex and drug use in this show. Right, but I don't think I don't think that's the point. It's not trying to titillate you. This show. No, it's um, not, and it's not necessarily glorifying drug use or uh, reckless sex, but no. it is, but it is making those things seem pretty cool at times. 
right? So, like, it's a fine line. But I, I and I'm not yeah, even saying me, that's, that's about the incredible, incredible visual style. Yes. Of show. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But like in the same way that Pulp Fiction kind of makes you want to do heroin, even though right after John Travolta is gliding on air, a lady overdoses. Like it also makes the heroin look pretty cool, right? And I and I'm not saying and I, I am I'm a hard disagree with that. <laughs> oh, like, like just that that I do not accept that premise. Like I, Pulp Fiction is a very cool movie and a fun hang. It, the last thing it made me want to do was heroin. Right. I'm not saying at the end of Pulp Fiction you're like I got to find some heroin. This there seems was like no a great point time. where I was like heroin. Oh, heroin seems kind of cool. That like, really never occurred to me. Never. Even never. while they're Oh, okay. Well, see, I think you're in the minority because there's at least that one minute stretch where John Travolta's driving the car right after doing heroin, and it's just like he's like floating through the air, feeling great, and you're like, wow, that looks cool. Um, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So quickly outweighed by the entire Eric Stoltz uh, house scene. Exactly. <laughs> now, again, but but in this show, all the cool drug stuff is usually then followed by, like, the consequences. So I'm not saying it's, like, necessarily irresponsible. I just, that did make me think for a second, like, it made me think about it. That's all. That's all. I mean, and I, I don't think I come down anywhere other than... um. Okay, that's yeah, it is kind of doing that. I don't think it's being irresponsible, but like maybe we keep our eye on it to make sure it stays that way. Maybe. You know? I mean, look, this is a show that has taken one of the most beautiful and famous and charismatic actresses in the world and, and constantly makes her look like trash, right? Like, yes. Yep. Um, she so even I, did you I I, 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 don't, I noticed I don't this. Think you're, I don't think it's you're supposed to come away with like, hey, drugs are awesome. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not. And I guess here's what I'm saying. I, I don't think you are at all. Here's what I'm saying, I guess, is when you have scenes of, you know, gratuitous drug use and sex, you're walking a fine line. And and I think to this point, they've walked that line incredibly well. But I do think it's something that you have to be careful with, I guess, is all yeah. I'm saying. Um, I mean, and and I, I, I would add this. Know... Sorry, go ahead. Well, add the essentially a non sequitur but i noticed um zendaya does this thing in euphoria specifically so i guess i should say rue does this thing where she gives like a weird grin but there's like a tooth that's sticks forward you can base it's like a grin but you can see one tooth did you notice have you noticed this I, I have noticed certain facial expressions. I, I don't know that I would have been able to describe that one that specifically. They are. But, it's yeah. like, but it's like, what's crazy to me is it's like, it's not a thing that Zendaya does. It's like very clearly a thing that Rue does. It's just a, a weird light touch in her performance in this role that like MJ in Spider-Man can't smile like, like her tooth doesn't do that. You know what I mean? And I like that's one of it's one of those weird things that like really great actors can do that like somehow and it's not prosthetics or anything, but somehow like her entire face is different as Rue than it is in another role. Yeah, she's very impressive. She she really is. And I look, I I understand the show is has a very specific tone. That is not 
totally for everyone and that some crazy shit happens that may also not be for everybody. Uh, but man, it hits me. I, I, yeah. uh, I, yeah. I really enjoy it. I agree. Um, and also uh shout out to Sydney Sweeney, who is working hard and uh, really good in this. And also Maude Apatow seems like she's really starting to get more attention as a character. And I thought was really good in the first couple episodes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do hope we get to see uh, more of her, her character as well. Um, yeah. Poor uh, Sydney Sweeney. Like people are just going to think she's an asshole. Yeah, but, but <laughs> you're right. But I just think she's really, really good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't, she's. But she's. I I agree, and consistently good at everything. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right, uh, that leaves us with Yellow Jackets, uh, which is a show that I have been thinking about pretty much constantly for uh, three, four days now. Um, um, I don't know about you, but I thought this was fantastic yeah it was a really uh great season of television just excellent and and i thought you know someone i saw someone tweet that like when they when they learned after a couple of episodes that yellow jackets was going to be more than a season they were a little just like they weren't excited but by the end they're at the edge of their seat like desperate for more and i don't even know if i had the original experience but i do know that when it ended i was so excited that there's going to be more and like this show delivers both the delightful nostalgia of the music and the sort of 90s actress queens along with just a gripping story and a, a, a boatload of mystery and sort of weird stuff that i am gripped i'm just entirely into yeah and i enjoy that the the tension between the weird and the plausible you know what i mean Um, yes that kind of constantly exists uh in this show when did i can i ask when did you find out that it was gonna that it was a multiple season show i didn't totally realize it till Around like episode seven, it started to occur to me that there was no way they were going to get this done in three more episodes. Yes, yeah, see, I didn't know till the finale. I didn't necessarily um, know. I didn't look it up, um, so I wasn't positive. But I did. I also didn't know that it had had it if it had been renewed yet. And then you know, like before the last week of the show, I guess it started to come out how like the ratings had really been growing and had been right. picking up buzz. And yeah, I didn't um, know any of that. Um, but I did presume there would be a second season based on the arc, which seemed nowhere near finished. Yeah. Well, and that's a lot of it. Like, you know, I, I, I think at least from the people that I've talked to about the show, there was some, I think, disappointment from people who expected that we were going to find out answers to a lot of major questions, uh, from the season, in this finale. And there are really very few of those, honestly, it's basically, you know, what happened to Jackie is pretty much, pretty much the answer you get. And then everything else is, is new questions. Uh, Um, Well, but there are answers that I would say they are answers that, that, you know, beg new questions to some degree. Right. Yeah. 
and look, obviously there's a, you know, the, the show has a pretty direct analog to lost and Lord of the flies and like lost, you know, there's a, there's a theory culture that sort of spouted up or, or around it. And I also feel like lost um, where I, I worry a little bit because I like, I, I'm not against wondering what's happening here and, and coming up with guesses and theories and, and instincts and trying to figure out the mystery of the show, but I don't want that to become the whole thing. It's my like the show isn't a magic trick. It's a, it's a TV show, right? You know and, what I mean? So, well, and my sincere hope is that unlike lost, the answers to those questions are already written down somewhere. Yes. And they say they are right. Um, you know, I just felt like with lost so much of it was evaluated on, what is the answer to this question? And do I like what the answer is? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, um, and I, I will say this show does so much more with, you know, first of all, telling a story that's almost entirely about women. Um, and also just like the interpersonal relationships, the, the, the weird drug stuff. Like there's so much more going on here than just the mystery. We're lost. Like, yeah, they they started having sex with each other, but it was really just a mystery all along, and the answer didn't turn out to be particularly satisfying. Yeah, can I ask you? I, I have a random question for you. Okay, what I, uh, office does uh, Taisa currently hold? <laughs> state state representative, maybe. Yeah. See, I am under the impression that she's a state senator. Senator, not rep. State, state senator. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I do, I do, <laughs> I do find it interesting because I'm pretty sure they've said that, which is why I'm that okay. she was running for state senate, and not that state senate in New Jersey isn't important. Like I, you know, um, I'm I, I think that's a meaningful thing to be a state senator anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. But the show sort of treats the campaign like she's running for senator, senator. Does right? it? I mean, it's, it's certainly. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say she's a lot of TV coverage. There's a lot of like they well, act like she's like. It's and calling all these favors for people and all of this. Like, she's a state senator, right? Like, it's a part-time job, basically. Yeah, but I don't know that they... I don't know. I Like, she certainly doesn't pay much attention to the campaign throughout the course of the show, right? And like, Oh, the, she does, though, right? It ruins her life, she blames. She blames it for ruining her... It wrecks her marriage. Yeah, but how much screen time is actually devoted to that thing? I would say <laughs> not very much, you know? <laughs> Um, and the TV coverage, whatever. Local TV covers yeah, local okay. elections. I don't know. I, I that didn't bother me. Local TV barely covers a state senate race. I can tell you that. Like you are, get are you the result on a lot of local TV. I, I watch election local election coverage. Yeah, that much I watch. All right. Well, then it exists. Yeah, it does exist. Um, regardless. Anyway, um, not the not the most important thing. Not very important. Show, but it's a, but it is the thing that has bothered me through through the uh through the course of this story. Um, regardless, tremendous acting performances on both sides of the uh, of the timeline here. Yeah. Yep. Um, the kids and, and the groans. It's pretty amazing that they uh, you know, cast this uh so well at both ends to sort of make this work because especially because the um you know the women in the present timeline are, are, you know, mostly pretty heavyweight actresses. Not just and, heavyweights. I mean, Melanie Linsky, I guess, is a bit of an every woman. Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis are two of the most particular individualistic people I have ever seen on screen. 
And they are both tremendously well cast as kids. Yes. Yeah. They actually, you know, I learned uh, that, you know, the creators of the show have been given a lot of interviews. Uh, maybe too many. <laughs> but uh, one of the things I learned is that they actually cast uh, Nat. They cast the younger Nat before they cast Juliet Lewis. Wow. And and nailed that one. The rest the rest were all based on their um, Did present you see day the Christina Ricci interview where she talked about how people started treating her differently as soon as she put on the Misty wig? No, but that sounds great. Like it's and she's she's so she good. She is really incredible. Um, always has been, by the way, um, yeah. since she was Wednesday Adams. Christina Ricci is a top three favorite actress for me. Really? Oh, yeah. I think she's spectacular. Wow. Yes. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, no, no drag on that. That's just, I'm just, that's no, bold. Two, like, I don't know who three is, but, but one and two, uh, or maybe they're two and three, and like pick your favorite spectacular actress for one are Scarlett Johansson and and Christina Ricci. I am just mesmerized by both of them almost every time they're on screen. Uh, which have is they why been I, in something together? I don't think so. Which is why I I uh, watched that movie Lucy we were talking about before the show started. Oh, uh, fair which, enough. Which turned out to be no good, but Scarlett Johansson's great. Anyway. Uh, Christina Ricci is spectacular, and in this, just, just, there's, she gets so much great stuff to do in this show, and I think she's so damn good. Um, and just a fun time with Yellow Jackets, in addition to being really high-quality stuff. Yeah, she has a sense of humor, uh, as you mentioned, the music is fantastic. Yep. Um, yeah. Really, uh, uh, I really enjoyed that first season, um, and uh, excited excited to see where we go. And I guess we won't get too much into the specifics of <laughs> where we think that will be. Yeah, we can talk about that when season two is coming up. Um, yeah. But I think we do have to talk about the other television show that ended. That we will actually get another season of very soon. Uh, the challenge, man. We're in the off season. Oh, I was like, I don't have any other shows on my list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're into right, the right, off right, season right. of the challenge. Yeah, for a second. Um, yeah, we are. We're, but it's a short off season, right? As as we learned uh, yes. this week, they have already shot another All Star season, and we'll get to that in a second. But first, can we talk about this All Star season and we how can. it forced them to change? All stars forever. <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know what you mean by this. I think feel like I have an idea. They, but I, I would like you to hear you talk this out. It's a bunch. The first two seasons of All Stars have been sixty to seventy percent moms and dads who are not about this life anymore. Yeah, I definitely agree that that that's where I was. I thought you were going to go that they are. Um, they are stepping things up. Yes, and and what they did is they got these moms and dads out there, and they gave it a good old college try, and it didn't work. Some things worked, but it didn't work as a show overall to be under the challenge umbrella because the challenge brand has gotten to a point where it is as much sport as it is reality TV, and this 
first two seasons of All-Stars, the version of the challenge we got was about 80% reality TV and 20% sport. And it's got to be more like 50-50, I think, at this point, at worst. And so they they quick, fast shot, and they're turning around, I think, allegedly by March, All-Stars 3, which has legitimate All-Stars on it. Yeah, and look, there were some legitimate All-Stars sprinkled through the class. But now it's mostly legitimate All-Stars. Yeah, and and some of that, I think, is just sort of the evolution of of any, like, if you were starting the challenge from scratch, right, it would take that, I mean, that's what the original challenge sort of took that path, right? Like, I almost feel like you have to start more on the reality end of things that you can't kind of come in with these gonzo challenges. Like you sort of have to work your way up to that just almost competitively. You know what I mean? So um, to me, it's sort of a natural arc. Like I do think that that season two was more competitive and serious than season one. Um, And I think that's going to take an exponential leap into, into season three and probably continue in the way that, in the same way that I mean, I think I think the current challenge is seri- more serious than it was five six seasons ago. You know what I mean? Um, because that's just sort of the way that the, you these things have to go to keep it interesting and involved, and the players have to kind of be able to level up to that gradually, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But the, the uh, let's just talk about this cast for and and just to finish off season two, like just there was so much quitting. It was the season of quitting. And even season one, which had some quitting, was nothing like this. It was just a disaster of quitting where, like, one team was ready to quit and another quit so fast that they didn't have time. They didn't get the chance to quit. But I do think that's also a bit uh, – some of the increased amount of quitting in season two is a side effect of season two being more difficult. Yes, you know? and I think that's why they had to level up the cast because uh, let's just go through it. All-Star season three, here are the men. And I would argue that not one of these guys has any chance of quitting. Brad, obviously, was in this final. Darrell, in this final, and we know his final records, right? Derek, never going to quit. Jordan, a legitimate new all-star. Latarian, who I think has distinguished himself as a legitimate all-star over the course of these first two all-star seasons. Mark Long, we know his record. MJ, who is a winner. And Nehemiah, who literally just won, right? The last two, or last three, rather. Oh, no, there's Uh, more. God, it goes on and on. Hold on. Hold hold on a second. Uh, Nehemiah did not win. I'm sorry, Nehemiah did not (laughs) MJ, MJ just won. Like, what are we talking about? Nehemiah was just in the final. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Also, Brad, Brad was not in the final. Well, he was in the elimination at the beginning of the final. Okay. <laughs> and arguably, arguably a member of the best team this season. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, weakest two. Brad and Quinton. Fair this enough. is what I'm getting to. The weakest two competitors on the men's side are Cyrus and Tyler. Which is pretty yeah, damn good. Tyler's like a two-time champ. Exactly. And yeah. Cyrus is a tough SOB. And then you have Wes and Yes at the end who are both champs. 
I mean, Wes and Jordan in particular joining this show to me is a signal of like, okay, this is really now old, older dudes who are past champions and like serious for- forces to be reckoned with. Yeah. Look, Wes and Jordan are not coming for a vacation. No. And in fact, I think it changes the atmosphere in the house entirely. On the yeah. women's side, like I don't know that you you're capable of building a, a friend, you know, a list quite as impressive as the men's without getting to like Evelyn and Laurel, who don't seem to be interested in coming on. But Cynthia Roberts from you got, you got to get Laurel for this show. You do, and the, and I think Evelyn is right just where as I don't think she's coming back to the regular challenge, and she's so she'd be so amazing for this. I I and again I say the same of Evelyn. Um, Cynthia, who you may remember from Battle of the Sexes, uh, you know, she won a Road Rules All-Stars, but it's been a long time. Jemmy, we've seen and is at least decent. John A, just I think Cynthia and Jemmy are both going to be good TV. You know what I mean? They're going to be like the Jasmine of this season. Yeah, and John A, just won. Oh, the other Jasmine of this season, by the way, is Nia, who's insane, Um, but also fit and athletic. Kellyanne is tough. Kendall is tough. Melinda is a beast, man. She is yep. tall and strong and and a factor in this game. Ronnie, who I actually don't remember, but apparently was on the gauntlet. Um, and then Sylvia and Tina are probably your weakest two here, but both are good TV. And, <laughs> yeah. and Sylvia was competitive semi-recently. And Veronica, who... Look, it's been a while since she was, like, the Veronica, but she has three final wins, man. She's a she's a three-time champion. That's the most I, of any woman. I will not accept any Veronica slander. Uh, I'm not, not slandering that, not, her. Not, not that you're providing any. I'm yeah. just saying that she is full stop one of the greatest players in this game of all time. Correct. Um, and I think she's good TV. <laughs> yeah, and she's great TV. And again, that's a legitimate all-star, right? And even Tina, who just quit, and that is annoying to me, and she has never won uh, a final, but she's great TV, and she's definitely an all-star. Like, when you think of great old challengers, she's one that comes to mind. Yeah. Look, I didn't love the way Tina went out on the show, obviously. I don't know. You really didn't. It's just uh, I, all the quitting was but, getting to me, man. But but I suspect uh, I suspect some like TV shenanigans, maybe a little bit there. You know what I mean? Where like well, she maybe was just like, I need to go. I'm going home early. Just maybe so she know. had somewhere to be. But I'm going to go on the blaze of glory. Yeah, like one of the. It felt a little bit like one of those situations. You know but, what I mean? Yeah, but the message here to me is clear, and which the fact is that like she's back would also suggest that. A yeah, bit. agreed. I just think the the casting message is clear that like we are not satisfied with the results of the cast of the first two seasons, and we're gonna we're gonna have a lot less fluff. Yeah, look, I think it was a conscious effort to step up the the competition. I also think it just sort of makes sense, right? Like, I do think that there, when you're thinking about casting this show, there is a generation of people, and this is kind of why I was thinking about people like Laurel or Evelyn or even Carmen Marie. Um, uh, uh, who are probably a little old to be going at this present group and aren't yeah. that going to come back. And like, this seems like, like you got, you got to start picking through those, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not blaming the show. Cause I don't fully know what happened. It doesn't sound great, but like, 
you know, that that like the Kenny and Evans and 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 some of that crew that are sort of persona non grata, like they're could because right now, like they're the top the people from that time on the show would be ideal for something yeah. like this, just from, yeah. a, from a timeline perspective. So the good news uh, is, I uh, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. We nobody knows exactly what happened there, and they may very well deserve their ban. But uh, like, the good news is, the men's roster is not suffering really at all as a result. the The people that are most notably absent are some of the best women competitors. Like, you know, most notably Laurel and Evelyn, who we keep mentioning because we both really want to see them back. Yeah. I, look, I think that um, I mean I, I think that's true, and and there you know historically there've been there's usually some fluff in 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 a female cast typically yeah uh, just because there aren't as many people women I think who are tr- training year round to compete in this. But I do think that's an opportunity that the All Stars has that because they have such a wide range of ages to draw from, they could and and mostly have this season assembled a really tough cast of of. Lady All Stars, so I'm excited yeah. about All Stars. I did mention Kayla briefly, but she also is really, you know, athletic and effective, and also good television. Right, and, and obviously, clearly, because she was just on a season, what two seasons ago? A couple seasons you know, clear, ago, still in clearly good, shape. good enough to compete in, you know, in the present game. So at an All Star level, <laughs> yeah. So I'll be, uh, I, I'm excited for her, and I, honestly, I think Sylvia. Sylvia's an interesting player, if not a great one. You know what I mean? So, yeah, pretty good politically. Um, definitely likes to get in the mix. So, yeah, yeah a, a really, really good cast on both sides. I'm excited for it whenever it happens. And until then, we'll just have to survive on playoff football and NBA. Do you, do you like the the thing from the first few seasons, um, y- you know, where a lot of these people are sort of coming back for redemption a lot of them are also sort of set in their personal lives. You know what I mean? Like have pretty, you know, either their families or careers and things like that. You know what I mean? Uh, Do you like that aspect of it? Of the all-stars versus, versus uh, a regular challenge where, you know, it's kind of their full-time job. I mean, kind of just in that it's different, you know, in some ways, some of these competitive people in that context, like have they grown as people, Outside yeah, of the show. yeah, because they definitely return to old habits when they get on the show. <laughs> There's no question about that. Yeah, because outside of like CT's sort of journey that you've watched all of, you don't get a ton of that in the regular challenge, right? Yeah, maybe Wes a little bit. Yeah, um, uh, you Johnny know, yeah, a little bit. Um, the people um, who's uh, who's my guy for the kid, Corey. Corey's sure, evolved Corey. a lot of the course. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the people who've been on television for a decade, we have a, a better idea. But a lot of yeah. the people on All Stars have been absent from television for a while. Yeah, a long while, and I sort of like that about it. And you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's different. Clearly, John A has discovered new things about her. Like, she's a different kind of competitor as an All Star than she was. A much better kind, I'd say. Yeah, well, she understands. Is on the regular challenge. She has a better understanding of what she's good at within the game, right? She's more self-aware, and I think hopefully uh, we all become more self-aware as we get older. Totally, and look, and I should we should mention this because we talked a lot of kind of about the coming season. I just a really impressive season from her and MJ. They they kind of dominated the game when you look back on it. Like never went to elimination. Yep. 
and and really crushed that final and yep. I think had a big pan politically in what happened on their alliance. It was a, that was a really well-played season from those two, I thought. And all of the political maneuvering was Jeanne. Yeah. She, yeah, sure was. she played as perfect a political season as you can play. And, like, when you think about it, I, she did all. She did a lot of political maneuvering, and I can't really think of, like, one big fight that she got into that whole time. Nope. Kept it cool, <laughs> kept it mature, really smart political game, and generally speaking, held her own in the physical stuff. Just a, a really a masterful performance, and that's why I think she's a legitimate all-star at this point. Yeah, and I think you also have to admire that, you know, she went on season one, I think did better than she expected, but, yep. you know, wasn't good enough to win. Like, took the time in between to say, what would it take for me to win this thing? And then just went out and executed it all. Yeah, you know? and I so, got to say, like, I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, fancy editing or um, when the, the shot was taken, but her promo shot for the new season she looks like she's in even better shape so you know as one would expect after she had had a baby like a month or two before season one like she seems to be getting more and more dangerous uh and she's she's got as good a chance as any of these women at this point i would argue yeah yeah she's formidable and and also like you know shouts to mj because yep. like MJ took a back seat he's a real athlete but yep. like you you didn't look at this group of people and go, uh, watch out for MJ. You know what I mean? No, like, but but you know what he did that was really smart? Um, in addition to, like you said, the, he's big, he's strong, he's a solid athlete, but ultimately, he was just a good dude. Like, the dude, you know, he's comforting Melinda. He's just like a, a grown adult man who was a good dude to the people in the house, and that goes a long way. Agreed, agreed. And I think he knew when to step up and when to get out of the way, too, which yep. is a good deal. To have. And he really let John A., like direct the team like John a was the coach and he just played ball. Yep. Yep. And I think she was really appreciative of, of, as of him as a partner as well. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. No, it was, uh, it, uh, they did, they did a phenomenal job with all the quitting going on around them. They really navigated the season. Well, <laughs> shout out to them. I enjoy, I thought this was a better season than season one. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, it was a better season overall, but it also the quitting really got to me, man. Me and TJ don't have a lot in common, but one <laughs> thing we share is we hate quitters. Yeah, I think I've come to realize like I'm not as bothered by the quitting as you are. And you know what? I'm not even sure like in in the world at large I am as bothered by quitting, but within the confines of the challenge, I am yeah. a hardline TJer. Quitters GTFO. I suspect. Look, you because you sort of made a reference to it, so I ex expect it really bothered you. But did, uh, you know, Ayana uh, quitting in the final give you that sort of same reaction? I tend to like the final. I tend to have a little bit more allowance in terms of like the final. It just seemed really hard, man. It seemed really hard. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I. But I, 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 I at that point, you, right? it bugged you. Well, yeah, it did. At that point, you, I like I had to laugh because, you know, every episode somebody quit something. But yeah, I, I think that sucks. Like, I don't know. I'm, you know, I guess you don't. I don't want to see anyone like 
run themselves to injury or anything. But, like, after all that, after all that talk, after eating a salad with your bare hands, you, you quit? I don't know. Yeah, and you watch, you know, when you especially when you watch, like, Melinda, like, like legitimately, like, her herself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm skeptical of Janelle's quote-unquote serious back injury, but she's obviously going through some pain. And she know? fought through it. Yep. And she fought through it. Like, yeah. that's what you do. That's what I you do, do think, in this situation. And, and, and frankly, any, if you can't. This, but I, but I, I, and so maybe I'm being generous, but I do think that they played up John A's thinking about quitting a little bit to create some dramatic tension in that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, and look, ultimately, they didn't quit, so whatever. But that's the point. You fight through That's That's – if you're a challenger, you fight through it. And so I hope if Ayana comes back, she's either in better shape so she doesn't feel like she can't continue or she just makes the decision to fight through. And, and I don't think that's too much to ask for a competitor – on a show like this, you know, I don't know. I'm scared to ask Ayana anything. Uh, well, that's fair. I, I do think she'll be back because it seems like she was uh, one of the more uh, financially in need contestants, uh, just based on. I guess that uh, her comments through the, through the season. So, <laughs> um, so we'll see. Um, but like, honestly, do you think the finals are getting? E- I don't know. So again, if she comes back, I hope she's better prepared. If I were her, I would think that I have a chance to win a final. If it, right, not and if that, I don't get in better shape, right? But that's the only thing in my way, honestly, right? Maybe, but then she better do it. I don't know. Like I, I just I don't have a lot of sympathy for someone, especially like season one. I had more sympathy, which is part of why I think it's ridiculous that season two had so much more quitting. Is like, <laughs> did you watch season one? It's not a vacation. How many times during season one did we see somebody in an ITM? go man i thought this was backyard games and it is not so like learn that don't go if you're looking for backyard games if you're looking for backyard games let me recommend your backyard (laughs) where i don't i don't have to watch agree because we're not screwing around no all right uh should we you want to talk any football or are you ready to get out of here uh we could do a quickie i spent last night like bickering with 49er fans who are excited about having Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback and I just don't get it man I just don't get it like I understand you're happy you want a playoff game I understand Jimmy Garoppolo has been the only winning quarterback you've had for years but like the attachment to him and the insistent the insistence upon saying he played well when he clearly did not I don't get that um but I'll say this man given what we saw most of the weekend that Niner Cowboy game was, uh, you know, at least entertaining. Yeah, he what a you know, I mean, not well the played. Only game, the only other game that came down really to the end was Raiders Bengals, right? And you wouldn't say that was a well played game either. So. Yeah, I mean, it was better played than this one, but but yeah, the neither of the two competitive games were particular. They weren't competitive because both teams played great. That's for sure. But at least they were entertaining because most of the weekend was garbage. And uh, not that they'll ever do this, but a very, very strong argument for getting rid of that seventh playoff team. Yeah, I don't I don't think the seventh playoff team is. Uh, I mean, look, whatever, it, it's here and it's pro- and I agree with you. It's probably here to stay, but I don't think it's a good idea. No, I don't either. And also, I don't think Monday night 
playoff football is a good idea, particularly when the Monday Night Football crew sucks anyway. <laughs> like, it's one of those things. I, I I get it because I was a guy for a long time that was like, let's put a serious person like Lewis Reddick in there and like, you know, but man, they are just not a good listen. And I know it's been, you know, they didn't, they weren't even in the same room in the first season. You know what I mean? Like it's, they've really had some, the deck stacked against them in a lot of ways, but. I, I feel no need to like attack any of the members of the booth. It is uncontroversially a bad broadcast. Yeah, I like so I'm I'm not a like you like I would did not freak out about how amazing the Manning cast was when when they put that on. Uh but I I find that team, uh the the main ESPN team so bad that I'm either Manning cast or mute. Like when I watch Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. So yeah, that I don't think and they're taking stuff off the table at this point. Correct. So uh, I don't know if they're going to change that for next year, but whether they do or not, I don't know that we need Monday night. We like you, you just. First of all, it's a bummer for the teams, um, and second of all, like we just don't need that. Just give me the three games a day on Saturday and Sunday if we got to have seven teams in. Yeah, I, I man, I'm. <laughs> I mean, I don't look. I don't mind having the game on Monday night. I just, I just didn't. The game stunk, and and yeah. the, the crew stunk. So. The game really stunk. Uh, ESPN has to figure games. that out before they get a Super Bowl. Like we can't have those three doing a Super Bowl. We just can't. No, agreed. Agreed. Um, uh, anything from the other games? Josh Allen was unbelievable. Uh, that was fun. Joe Burrow, I thought was great, and that was fun. Um, yeah, I mean that's been the, the most fun thing, right? Is like seeing some of these quarterbacks take a step up. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, if that can continue into round two. This feels like we're getting we're now at the first real round of things. <laughs> it sort of does. And honestly, like, I think it should be good. I mean, who knows at this point? Like, nothing ever turns out how you want it to, I guess. But but I I, I think we've got some exciting games. Yeah, I well, we certainly have some exciting matchups on paper. Yeah, <laughs> so so we'll see. Are you I, I are you skeptical about the results? I are mean, skeptical about the results. I, are you skeptical about you know whether we will get the results of of the uh, you know how the matchups look? Like I, Bengals Titans Ram Forty uh, ers Packers to me is the dodgiest because if Jimmy Garoppolo plays like he did on Sunday. That could be a blowout. Um, but if he's a little better, like the Niner defense looked really good. Uh, it's supposed to be freezing cold, so maybe it'll be tough to have explosive offense anyway. And the other three games, like Bengals-Titans, Rams-Bucks, and Bills-Chiefs, all look fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I'm much more optimistic about the Niners' chances than you are. Um, I, I'm reasonably optimistic. I like. I absolutely think they have a chance to win. I'm just saying that I can see that one – slipping out of hand probably the easiest you know i don't think necessarily casey or tampa have the juice this season to to run away from the bills or rams and Bengals titans is your guess is as good as mine i think i think the bucks have the juice to run away from anybody 
I don't know, man. Like, they don't have their full complement of wide receivers. I understand that. And the Rams. <laughs> I understand that. I'm not saying they will, but they that they are certainly capable. I'll put it that way. I guess. But honestly, like, what is the worst, you know, to the extent that it exists, what is Tom Brady's kryptonite? Uh, pressure from the front four. And, and particularly from the middle. And the Rams ate Kyler Murray for dinner last night that they did and some weeks they do that and some weeks they don't you right. know what i mean you're right but <laughs> but i don't know man like i i think i think, think tampa's i think tampa's interior line is is uh you know a little more stout than than arizona's uh i don't know they had a couple of injuries to that line on uh, on saturday so i don't know we'll see but i like all these matchups in terms of uh excitement factor much better than what we just watched i hope so because uh, it does, you know, it def- definitely puts a damper on the weekend when the game stick. <laughs> it does. It makes it unfun. And playoff playoff football is supposed to be super right. fun. This is the time of the year it's supposed to be fun. Right. Uh, all right, let's do homework. Okay. Um. All right, so we picked out a few things. Uh, we're gonna watch a network sitcom. Yeah, because everyone seems to love it. In fact, I've I I have already snuck in some. Oh, you have. You already started watching. I haven't yep. watched, started watching it. It's called Abbott Elementary. We didn't talk about this pre-show. Can I Can I stick a second network sitcom in here? Oh, man. Wait, didn't we talk about one of those pre-show? Yeah, Abbott Elementary. I have a second one for you that we did not discuss that I discovered while we were doing this pod. But I isn't there a I, second one that we already did discuss? Oh, we did. You're right. Sort of. It's 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 actually not it's not not airing on a network, but oh, it is okay. network like. That makes sense. All right. What's All right. The other one. I'm gonna pitch it to you now. You could you could you can feel free to say no. Mm-hmm. It's a show on Fox. Mm-hmm. It stars uh, Eliza Coop from Happy Endings, Never Jennifer Goodwin, and Maggie Q. Maggie who? Maggie Q. Hmm. Uh, and it is called Pivoting. Hmm. And it is uh, 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, one episode has aired so far. So I mean, sure, throw it in there. Um, pivoting. All right, so there you go. So we're gonna we're gonna check that out too. And the other one that we were obliquely referring to is How I Met Your Father. Yes, which seems networky, but I don't think he's actually airing network. He's just on Hulu. Okay. So there you go. Um, and then uh, on top of that. Somebody somewhere. I've already forgotten what that's about. What is somebody? That's somewhere? the that's the Duplass brothers' new show on HBO. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, about middle age, I think, in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever. It's Duplass, and it, I've heard it's good. And yep. then um, uh, uh, the new season of Ozark drops Friday, uh, and I can't not binge it, so we might as well talk about it. Sounds good to me. All right. Okay. Bye bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard, the eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor, have yourself a tremendous evening. So uh, I got invited by HBO Max to do a survey about uh, a potential uh, spinoff of FBoy Island. Wait a second, like as a potential contestant? No, 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 no. It was like a survey of like, hey, what did you think of FBoy Island? Oh, okay. Would you watch, okay. Uh, and? Uh, this potential spinoff, and I lit them up. <laughs> Wait, what was the potential spinoff? I, it's F Girl Island or whatever. You know what I mean? 
I lit them up and I got very specific about how uh, uh, them not saying fuck. Um, yeah, well, that was the the really worst messes part. up the show. <laughs> that was the worst part. <laughs> like you're a you're a premium streaming service. It's for grown-ups, for fuck's sake. The themes are are more adult than the word fuck. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, um, I get it. If you you don't might you might not want to have it in the title. Yeah, That's fine. But F- like, fine. But you got to uh, call them fuck boys. Your contestants say it and like yeah. really messes shit up. F boy <laughs> is not an insult. No. The way fuck boy is, it no. just doesn't. It doesn't roll off the tongue. And I don't think they understand the knockoff effect of that. You know what I mean? It's, Agreed. it's like Agreed. it's just one of those things where like everybody you you it make, makes you immediately realize that everyone involved realizes they're making a TV show, which is the kind of you just that's just the thing you don't want in a reality show. That's really um, well put. I really think we got to the bottom of this. I'm ready to do a podcast. 